Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. I'm joined by Sherelle McMillan and Dewey Burke, Carolina 88-72. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast. I told y'all I'd have both Dewey and Sherelle for Duke Carolina postgame. I'll start with you, Dewey. Uh, pretty much a clinic by Roy Williams and the Tar Heels. It was. It was. And what was really fun for me is we won in a pretty much different way than we've won any game so far this year. And all the questions that we've had at times in various games this year, we answered and then some on this night. We were the tougher team. We were the more unselfish team. And I think Duke's lucky we didn't shoot it better because we really could have blown them out. Uh, it was clear from the get-go. And I understand Zion got hurt, whatever. We can talk about that. But it was clear from the get-go that we were going to be into this game mentally, physically. Got great contributions from a lot of guys off the bench as well as the seniors. Just an unbelievable win for us. And it feels really, really good as big of an underdog as we were. Carolina, of course, I believe a nine-point underdog. Sherelle, we can talk about uh, the big games from the two seniors, but I tell you what, and maybe it's just me being weird and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I got to maybe – that'd be a game i give Seventh Woods to MVP. And I – look, that is something I never, ever thought I'd say um, about a Duke-North Carolina game, that Seventh Woods would be the MVP, but I think he earned it tonight. Yeah, definitely. It was not something we expected coming into the game. I think – it was a couple of years ago. Remember when we uh, said, you know, Bryce Johnson heading to his senior year, he was what he was. Maybe we've been too quick to do that with seventh. And, you know, he's got playing time in this game because Kobe White, he's a freshman. He struggled a little bit um, in that environment in Cameron. But, you know, seventh came in and kind of steadied the ship. And, you know, he did that in the beginning of the season. I, I think maybe people forgot that there were times where Kobe was a little erratic and uh, seventh would come in, have a couple of assists, settle things down. Uh, and I think it speaks to Roy Williams' confidence in him that he had him in there, you know, at the under four timeout, I think, um, when Kobe White was struggling a little bit. So uh, you have to be excited for seven because he came in with as much fanfare as anyone maybe Carolina's had just because of his mixtape and his dunks and everything. And it's been a rough road for him the first couple of years. And he's had two really good performances in two big games, Gonzaga where I think he had his career high, and then tonight against Duke. So I think you have to give a, have to give a lot of credit to him, but also to Roy Williams for, despite what nearly every fan and person who follows North Carolina basketball would want, um, keeping him in the game and you know giving him playing time. Seventh with just thirteen minutes, but Dewey, you know, we all thought. Uh, I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast thought that for Carolina to win, Kobe White had to have a big game and. Playing point guard for North Carolina is tough. Playing point guard against Duke in Cameron's a lot tougher at times. It makes you sort of realize how special guys like Bobby Frazier were, Ty Lawson, those guys. But Kobe, three for 14, one for six, five rebounds, three assists, and six turnovers, uh, which is why I say seventh was probably the MVP. But speak to what you saw from the freshman. Uh, Dewey, because uh, frankly, we saw it from him and we saw it from Duke's freshman at times. It's, it's mm -hmm. a tough game to play if you've never done it before. No, that's right. And I thought Kobe was a victim of just wanting it so bad, his desire 
was so evident. He wanted to win and play well, but the, the game sped up for him too much. He, he was getting going way too fast, especially in the first half. Uh, a little bit shaky handling the ball, rushing his jump shot. He didn't have the fluidity that he normally does. Uh, the three that he did make in the second half was a big part of that nice run we made when we really got it out of reach. But it, all in all, I just thought the game got really sped up for him. And part of that was Jones's pressure. And then part of that was just the moment, the atmosphere and, and his want to being uh, as high as it's ever been in his life. I can guarantee you he's never felt what that felt like. Uh, none of the freshmen on either side ever have. And for him, with the ball being in his hands, he just was a little shaky. And that's not a knock. That's just that's what this game is about. And I really did think he would play more solidly in the second half. But it really was more the same. But he made that big three. He also had a layup on the break that helped push it out to about 20 points. So he still made a couple key buckets. But he'll learn from it. I I would be willing to guarantee he'll play great in the home game because he will have done it before. I just think he was almost having an out-of-body experience playing in this game with the ball in his hands that much. And and like I keep saying, he really just got sped up. Sure, let's get down to the nuts and bolts. This is one of the games we said it was going to be opposite of Duke-Carolina. Carolina would have to shoot it well from three-point range and survive Duke inside um, attacking North Carolina. Now, I'm not going to mention Zion Williamson beyond this point. It made a difference when he went out. But Jay Billis and Shulman covered Zion Williamson's absence. It certainly helped North Carolina. But Carolina, 62 to 28 points in the paint. That's as dominant a performance by any Carolina team against any Duke team in recent memory. And Carolina did it when they're quote-unquote shorthanded on the inside. Yeah, it goes to show that maybe <laughs> some of us don't know what we're talking about as much as we think we do. Like, it, you remember the Super Bowl heading into the game. It was, oh, this is going to be a high-scoring affair. These two teams, they can get up and down. You know, they're going to have five touchdowns, blah, blah, blah. And what happened was it turned into a defensive struggle. And here, I think North Carolina, you know, I, I think once they missed a few of their outside shots, it was kind of a blessing in disguise because from there they said, okay, Duke's not offering much resistance when we go to the rim. We can do this all night. And so they they still took a good amount of threes, but they stopped taking them as much, and they had a mentality to drive to the basket almost every time they got the ball. And when there's not much resistance, uh, Bolden, uh, he didn't play much in the second half, and Duke doesn't really have any other shot blockers besides him, you know, uh, and, and Zion, obviously. But once that happened, you know, they just attacked, and they kept it up the entire game. Dewey, Luke May, 30 and 15, I mean – <laughs> we've talked about him a lot and I've uh, I've said he shoots too much at times he shot 24 times a night four, made 14 of them um, but 30 and 15 in, in Cameron um, against all that hype that's an impressive performance it means something to have been through it Luke certainly earned whatever stripes he gets out of this one put him in the books I mean that's one of the all-time great games on that floor for a Carolina player I mean, has anybody had a better stat line than that? He bettered Tyler's stat line from 06. I don't know that Big May ever had a game like that. Obviously, I tend to just think back to the years I was there and since Coach has been back. I'm hard-pressed. Somebody needs to tell me who has had a better game in that gym in terms of the numbers he just put up. 30 and 15? I mean, that was as good a performance as he's ever had. That That matches his performance at State last year. I mean, he was unbelievable. Around the rim, his touch was perfect. He made a lot of shots close to the basket, which he hasn't done and and struggled with at times. This year, 
made a huge three, I thought, when they were kind of not in limbo, but almost making a little push, made a monster shot for us. Uh, was all over the glass, got his hands on a ton of loose balls. And the thing that I love is whenever they showed him, emotionless. He just – he was so focused, and he did better tonight than maybe ever in his career what Coach Williams always coaches us to do, which is to lose yourself in the game. Forget about where you're playing. Forget about the other team. Just lose yourself in your teammates, your coaches, and what we're trying to accomplish. And never more evident tonight for me than a look on his face. He completely lost himself in this game and probably had the best night of his life. I think, too, uh, adding to that, Dewey, you know, I know he was focused during the game, but you saw the, uh, or I saw online, someone had posted the Duke cheer sheets that the, that the students use. And on one of them, it says, you know, Luke May was a walk-on, chant walk-on on him. And, you know, I, I, I knew Luke a little bit during his recruitment. And from talking to people, he is someone who, when he is challenged, he kind of um, can go to another level. Like, I think there was an incident at NC State last year where someone said, oh, he's not athletic, he can't do anything. And that kind of motivated him. And I, I think maybe that helped him get lost in the game. Um, so they kind of poked the bear a little bit. And, I mean, it was it was pretty tremendous. And I, I think, uh, it, you know, once Jack White got on him, he, his eyes kind of lit up. He knew he could do whatever he wanted. And I think that, the, look, the walk-on thing by now is a badge of honor. I mean, for him to play the way he's been able to play over the last two-plus years at this point, it, every time he plays like that, it's – Look what Coach Williams saw in me. Look how he believed in me. Look how I believed in myself and all these other teams made a mistake. And so there's no way that's a knock anymore. That's a point of pride. That's a badge of honor that he got overlooked. It's almost like, I mean, take this the right way, but it's almost like a Steph Curry type thing, right? I mean, people say, how does that guy end up playing small division one with what he has been able to do? It's nowhere on the same scale. That's not what I'm saying. But again, this guy just put up 30 and 15 in the greatest rivalry in sports on the road. And he was getting low and mid-major offers. How does that – I mean, it's, a, it's astonishing what he's done. And I've been critical of him, and deservedly so, because I think he's sometimes taken bad shots and been careless with the ball. But when we needed him most to be the best senior we could ever have, he did it tonight on the backboard, scoring the basketball, leading our team, and like I keep saying, losing himself in the game. 38 point, uh, thirty-eight minutes and only two turnovers in a game that had a bunch of possessions. Yep, and and was seemingly around the ball, especially early, every time, getting his hands on rebounds. And like Dewey said, when, when one of y'all said, when he saw Jack White was going to be the guy on him, uh, it was on from there. 30 and 15 for Luke May. Folks talk about the Kentucky shot. They always will. They'll talk about this game just as much, I think. Uh, when they talk about Luke May's Luke May career at Carolina. I'm going to take a short break, come back. There's plenty more to talk about. Carolina 88, Duke 72 in Cameron. Sherelle, I'm going to come back to you, but I want both your takes. Uh, Cam Johnson, 11 for 17, did not make a three, scored 26 points, a huge night for the senior. I want you to talk about his game, and then I want to talk about something that puzzles me um, when you look beyond college for guys like Cam Johnson. But, Sherelle, your thoughts on what he did and didn't shoot it well from three and still had 26? Well, my answer is going to have a lot to do with your next question. So um, 
I, I let think me go he, ahead. Let me go ahead and get okay. Go ahead. <laughs> How and Dewey, I want your thoughts too. So be thinking about it. How is this guy considered a late draft pick, if at all, and be able to do what he's can do? And a guy like Radish, who I love. If I had to pick one guy off that Duke team uh, that you would see blow up, a guy like Radish. But how is Radish a top five guy? And Cam Johnson's not even on the NBA map. Explain that to me, Sherell. So I think a lot of it, honestly, and it's not fair or right, but it has to do with age. Uh, Cam, you know, this is his fifth year in college. He'll be 24, I think, on his birthday, whereas Reddish will be 19 on his birthday. Um, so I think that's part of it, that five-year difference. NBA teams want to, for whatever reason, get his, you know, get the young guys so they get the upside and they get the potential. Um, you know, the NBA draft isn't really as much about who can play right now. It's about who can play in three or four years, who's going to be the next big thing. So that's part of it. But I think what he did tonight was he showed the NBA that he's not just a shooter. Um, you know, if if you would have said before the game that Cam Johnson was 11 of 17 from the field, you would have said, oh, he probably made six or seven or eight threes. He didn't make any. Um, all his points were, you know, to the rim, pull-up jumpers. He showed that he has, you know, a complete game. And I think that that kind of tape against those kind of defenders at Duke um, is really going to help him as far as the NBA is concerned. Dewey, I mean, like Sherelle said, if, if you said he scored 26, I would have said he had at least six, seven threes. But he had none. And he went strong to the basket. He missed a bunny in the set first half uh, the, and he probably should dunk a couple more of those, but to put up 26, not hit a three. I mean, he just expanded his game in front of a bunch of eyeballs tonight. He really did. And the way the NBA game has changed has done nothing but help the professional that Cam Johnson hopes to eventually be. And uh, to echo what Sherelle said, the biggest difference is age and then cam has some injury history and and reddish is more explosive than cam is but what he's been able to show this year and answer is that he has better lateral quickness than we thought he did he's a little bit more explosive than we thought he was as evidenced by some of the stuff he's done around the rim he's a very solid rebounder very solid defender and he makes the right play almost every time the ball's in his hands whether that's making the right screen making the right pass and then he's an unbelievably gifted shooter, unbelievably gifted shooter. So there's a place for him in the league at that size with that stroke. You can think of a lot of guys that stuck in the league a long time that were three and D type players. And I think if he stays healthy and can get into some of those NBA workouts and shoot the ball the way he's capable, he's going to keep rising up those draft boards. It'll be interesting to see what happens when time comes because my hunch is we're going to hear some reports out of those uh, out of those workouts that Cam Johnson surprised. Cam Johnson was great. Cam Johnson shot the lights out. Uh, I see that happening if he stays healthy. Yeah, I just yeah, I don't get it. I understand he's older, but I mean, twenty three. It's not like he's forty. He's, yeah, he's not thirty six. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, he played fantastic. Never thought you'd see a day he scored twenty six with no threes seven rebounds to go with it, four assists. I mean. And, and Tommy, you talk about, uh, people talk about North Carolina's recruiting and how it's been struggling. Cam Johnson was a five-star. Nobody just knew it because he was at Pittsburgh. You know, I, I think people got to realize that. Like, they signed the best shooter in the country. Uh, they got him for two years. He had offers yep. from Kentucky and Arizona and Oregon, and they beat all those schools, and they got him, and now it's really paying off. So I mean, Sherelle, he's a first-team all-conference <laughs> player, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. No yeah, question. Yeah. 
Yeah, he has to be. And coming out of high school, he ends up at Pitt, and Carolina gets him seasoned for two years. I mean, it's it's like you say, Sherelle, all the time. Recruiting usually works itself out. I mean, that people will look back on that on UNC signing Cam as a, a really big moment for the program, considering Justin Jackson was leaving, and there wasn't a natural replacement on the roster. Let, let and me the ask, fact, and yeah, the fact they got him for two years. Let me ask you guys this, because I can think of one guy, and let's just, let's just keep it from since Coach has been back. Who, since Coach Williams has been the head coach, who is a better pure shooter than Cam Johnson? I can only think of one guy that I really think shot it as easily and effortlessly and pure as he does. One guy. Maybe Wayne? Nope. Reggie? Nope. Okay, I don't know then. <laughs> Rashad is – to me, Rashad is the only one. Just, gotcha. th- just, just think about how the way Rashad shot the ball – how easy it came off his hand. Like it, if you remember going to games and watching him in warmups being like that, he just made 30 in a row. Like the way it comes off his hand, it's so easy. Wayne's was more, he kind of came up first head and he had a little bit of a side spin on his and you're right. Reggie shot it great too. Uh, but he never, he, to me, never shot it like this. And so to me, other than Rashad, Cam's the best year coach has had at Carolina. I believe that. I mean, the way it comes off his hand and, and how effortless and smooth, even on like those one, two dribble pull-ups he hit tonight, the one time he caught the ball and the foul line extended, turned and squared up and just, I mean, the way it comes off his hand is gifted. It's different. Yeah, and he's 6'9". I mean, it's just a, a unique player. Good that he plays for North Carolina, especially tonight. Let's turn to the defensive side because I thought, uh, sure, Duke did not shoot it well. But I thought that had a lot to do with Kenny Williams's defense, uh, Garrison Brooks's defense. We didn't talk about Brooks's offense, but Dewey. Um, a lot of people didn't think Carolina could really slow down Duke, but they they locked them up, and Duke didn't shoot it well. But that had a little bit to do with the defense from the guys wearing the light blue. It was just toughness. It, I mean, that, when I opened the the podcast with your first question, Tommy, is that we answered the questions. We answered the bell that we didn't answer against Texas, Kentucky, and Michigan. This was a completely different team. And Coach always has us trending the right way as we get towards March. This was the effort uh, as far as collective togetherness, sharing the ball, and effort on the defensive end that it was going to take for us to beat these guys to, to make a run in the tournament. They were there for each other. On help side, help the helper. We took a bunch of charges. We cleaned up the glass nicely. I know they had more offensive rebounds than we did, but let me tell you something. When you shoot 43s, one thing we always say, and Coach always says, is long shots equals long rebounds. You shoot 43s and only make eight of them, there's going to be a bunch of chances for offensive rebounds that it just bounces to their guys. I really didn't think, with the exception of Nasir twice, that we missed that many box outs. So we took care of the glass for the most part. We were there for each other, helping in the right spots. And look, I know Barrett got whatever he got. I mean, at 30, 33. That dude, for my money, is the number one pick in the draft. He is really, really good. And when he got inside five feet, what's Kenny supposed to do? Kenny's 6'3". He's 6'8". So, look, by and large, we were terrific defensively. Our effort was there. And just, I'm just proud of them for answering all the questions we felt we still had. Your thoughts on that, Sherelle? 
Kenny Williams, two points, one for four shooting, no threes, five rebounds, four assists, and I think he was a large difference maker during the 40 minutes. He takes three charges. I think it was – yeah, I saw three. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Yeah, you know, agreed with pretty much everything uh, Dewey was saying. It seemed to me that Kenny knew this was a game where maybe he he wasn't going to be – uh, effective offensively. And what I mean by that is that he wasn't hunting. You, there have been times when you see Kenny come into the game very, very aggressive offensively where he's looking for a shot, he's driving. It seemed to me like he wanted to uh, conserve his energy and just do everything he could on Barrett and make it hard for him. And Barrett, you know, to Dewey's point, he had 33 points and I think like 11 or 12 rebounds, but he played 40 minutes. And there by the end, he was having to create so much. I don't think he had anything left in the tank. And Carolina was just running defenders at him and they had Kenny kind of spying him the uh, the entire game. So, uh, you know, I, I think Kenny kind of went in with a mission of, okay, if I get some offense, that's great. But my, I'm 100% focused on doing whatever I can to limit Barrett. And I think he did, uh, you know, as good a job as he could and, and it helped North Carolina a, a great deal. Do we speak to the growth of Garrison Brooks? Uh, I mean, I mentioned his defense. He you know, he puts it in the basket when he has opportunity, six for seven for 14 points and eight rebounds. But, I mean, this guy's just gotten better and better and better. And I don't think he really gets um, as much praise, at least from folks like us, as maybe he should. I agree. And the biggest thing for me, along with really collectively the whole group, but if we're talking specifically about him, is I think he's understood now, understands now, the toughness and the level of effort it takes to be a big in this conference. If we went back to watch some of the games last year and the beginning of this year, he was still a little timid around the rim on both sides. And now, to me, two things. One, on the defensive side, he he was always terrific at being at the right spot and hedging on screens and guarding his man. But when a shot goes up, he believes that that ball belongs to him. And he's extremely aggressive getting up in the air to try to clean the glass. And then offensively, we don't run stuff for him or anything like that. He's he's the beneficiary of somebody else making a play. But when he's at the rim, he's trying to put somebody in it. And he's trying to dunk it as hard as he can when the opportunity presents itself. And that level of intensity and effort is how it has to be when you play in this conference. There's no, there's no gimmies. There's no cupcakes around the rim. At, in the ACC, and I think he has figured that out. And so the level that he has raised his, himself to uh, is evident in him being able to play 30 minutes and be an absolutely stellar contributor. I think to me, more than anything, it's mental. I think he's just he now understands how he has to bring it. And what's exciting is he's a sophomore because by the time he's a polished senior, he's going to be one hell of a contributor. Sherelle, wrap it up um, with your portion. Wrap up your thoughts on the coaching job of Roy Williams because I've said it before on this podcast. I said it on Twitter. I pretty much thought it was a clinic of how to beat Duke basketball by Roy Williams tonight. Oh, well, they, you know, he's, he made his team or put them in position to take advantage of the things that they do well against this particular Duke team. And I think part of that uh, is what he does before. And I hate to keep going back to this kind of stuff, but there's a reason that Garrison Brooks started the season when everyone, you know, present company included, said, well, he, sh- he really probably shouldn't be playing. He's, he's not that good. Uh, you know, next year is his year, that kind of thing. And, you know, here he is in the biggest game that Carolina plays. He comes up with 14 points and eight rebounds in 29 minutes. So I, I think 
part of Roy Williams coaching job is the in-game stuff. I think he doesn't get enough credit for adjustments and all that. But, you know, taking a, a larger worldview, I think you have to talk about how he builds teams and he builds rosters over not one, not two, but three and four years. And that's what he's done with Garrison. Um, I, I, it's funny. I, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but it was about this point uh, in the 2016-17 season where he kind of looked around. He said, you know, Carolina's going to be OK losing Isaiah and Kennedy, you know, if Luke May and Tony Bradley is the starting front court. Now, obviously, Tony went pro, but, you know, I'm starting to get that same feeling for next year. They're like, you know what? Garrison Brooks and Armando Baycott or Sterling Manley, they're going to be okay. And it's because of how he builds teams and builds rosters. Dewey, I'll let you close the show. Your thoughts on uh, overall thoughts on the win, anything you want to add, anything you want to add about the coaches and Roy Williams and Coach K. I mean, certainly uh, different approaches from both those guys tonight. Yeah, so a couple final thoughts. One, and I will mention it, you know, we didn't speak on, obviously Zion not being in the game was a big part of it, but I still think we win that game just by the way we started out. You could tell the way we were going to play really in the first couple of minutes, Zion or not. So we were ready to battle with him. It's a closer game, obviously, if he plays. I still think we win because Zion alone can't keep us from scoring 60 plus points in the paint. Maybe he keeps us, you know, to 45 or 40 or whatever. And the game's different, but he, he alone cannot keep us out of the paint from getting that many layups. We executed the way we wanted to tonight. And I'll repeat what I said. If we shot the ball a little bit better, like we have most of the year, this game's even more of a blowout. So really proud of our guys and the toughness and the way they answered all the questions that we've had. And and then the last thing I'll say, not to end it on a somewhat sour note, it just, it's amazing to me that after one charge call, they put the camera on coach K and he outright mother F's a ref and it's right there on camera on national TV. And yet the narrative still remains. This, this guy's the greatest coach ever. He's untouchable. He's a leader of men. Look, the guy's a, an unbelievable coach, recruiter. He's done some amazing things with that program, amazing things with USA Basketball. But I don't understand why it doesn't get talked enough, talked about enough that this guy's a jerk and he just gets away with it because he's won the most games. I just don't think that's right. And it made me really proud that our coach is who he is because, and I tweeted this, I don't know a lot, but I know that our coach would never do that. He would never disrespect somebody like that And it was right there on national TV. And I just, I have a problem with that. Uh, It's not good for the college game. It's not good for kids to see. It's not good for the refs to have to deal with, but he's able to get away with that stuff. And it just, that rubbed me. I was already glad we won, but that made it extra sweet that he gets to act like that, but we still win. Good stuff, Dewey. Good stuff, Sherelle. Um, Don't disagree with anything we've said in the entire podcast. Uh, it's always good to talk to you guys. Good to talk to you guys after Carolina 88-72. Appreciate you staying up with me, Sherelle. Dewey, get some rest. We'll talk again soon. Florida State's right around the corner. Carolina 88-72 over Duke. Thanks, guys. Yep, thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.